Hey guys, John here. Let me just tell you about this independent author that just came out with a book. His name is John H. Mudgett. He has a book out called Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of a Serial Killer. It is an intensely clever first-person psychological thriller that deep dives into the world of an experienced serial killer. The ebook is available for purchase on Amazon and is free for Kindle Unlimited readers. Though the protagonist, John Goodman, is a fictional character, the circumstances of Goodman's dark life are firmly rooted in historical characters and events. Crazy as this crazy does begins in 1955 and follows John as he evolves from a timid and disorganized criminal into a powerful mastermind in deception and intimidation. And let me just tell you this. What made me intrigued with John H. Mudgett's book was this. We have a character who's a serial killer, but he's putting him into the first-person view of that serial killer, so therefore you're putting him into that character's shoes. To me, that's very intriguing. I like to actually see that in, in a movie. I would actually picture that in a book. This would be a book that I would purchase for myself and everything. Matter of fact, I might actually go to Amazon right now and purchase this book because I just like the premise in itself, and this is why I'm interested in this book. So go ahead, check out John H. Mudgett's book and everything go ahead and check him out once again that book is crazy as this crazy does the life of a serial killer go ahead check him out right now And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me today, I have Vernon Kelly from It Is What It Is podcast. Say hello to everybody, Vernon. Hey, what's up, everybody? Connect with me. It Is What It Is podcast. You can hear it on all podcasts. I heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Let me just tell you this, man. I'm enjoying the content that you're doing over there. I do appreciate you making this part of your night and everything. You've always been a good friend of mine and everything with us collaborating. I do want to thank you for doing Demolition Man. That's right. We're actually doing a review on Demolition Man. This is actually mine, Vernon, and Charlie's favorite movie. So let's go on ahead. Um, I wouldn't say this is it, – it's a great movie. I like it. I wouldn't say it's one of my – it's a not one of my favorites, but it's a great movie. I mean <laughs> – I mean, it's a great Stallone movie, but without the favorite aspect, it's a great movie. Anytime it's on, I'm watching it. But um, I want to call favorites. It's right up there in the top for Stallone movies. I still got right. Cobra number one. No, I agree. I don't think it's anybody's like favorite film of all time. I think it's a good, it's a good, great film or a great. Yeah. No, it's a great, good film because it's yeah. not like. You know, like there's tiers, right? Yeah. I would call this the best tier two film of all time. You know, it's one of those you don't have to think much. No. Uh, it's entertaining. It's lighthearted. It's yeah. action packed, but there's nothing like mind blowing. It yeah. is pure '90s hilarity in a yeah. in a time capsule. But the coolest thing about Demolition Man is that the technology. I think this movie came out in '92. They had autonomous vehicles. They had autonomous vehicles, which we have now. They had FaceTime on their cell phones. You know, like if you start if you look back, you realize, wow, you know, almost like a, a precursor to what's going on. Uh Demolition Man by far, Wesley Snipes, a young Wesley, a young Rob Schneider, a young Sandra Bullock, 
uh, a, a semi-young Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> like, it was really just a great, I think, feel-good movie, and it fits perfectly in the 90s genre. Yeah, I agree. Um, Most definitely. This movie is a lot of fun, to be honest with you. I've, You know what? I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, basically, because of the fact that I love that 90s nostalgia and everything. It's been a long time since I've seen this. It still has that action-packed flavor that we all like from Sylvester Stallone. We also have the chemistry between Wesley Snipes and him that's really good, this cat and mouse game that they play with each other and things like that. My favorite... To be honest with you, one of my favorite scenes is like the very beginning of the film, where basically you wind up having Sylvester Stallone jumping out of an out of a uh, helicopter and a bungee cords. And at that time, bungee jumping was a big thing in the '90s. People were actually getting killed off of bungee jumping, things like that. And here you have Sylvester Stallone coming down out of a helicopter, shooting people on on top of a building and with dual pistols and then next thing you know it he rolls up rolls on top of the building killing more people and he's just going over there just killing everybody that he can find and then he also too you also have the helicopter uh, pilots that said why are we wh why are we coming into this part of los angeles and everything because you're going to be doing a good deed and i also like how we have this wide angle shot at the very yeah. beginning though too where hollywood is in flames <laughs> and here's sylvester stallone going into this building with a lot of people and things like that burning up and then bullets flying everything else and then you know he's over there looking for simon and mm -hmm. this is what i like i like as soon as you walk into the building simon is just sitting there chill he's like he goes is it hot in here or is it just me? Mm -hmm. And I, it's just that eighties the nineties dialogue that we all know and love from Wesley Snipes and everything. I really have to say Wesley Snipes was glued into this character of Simon. But what did you guys think about the opening and things like that with the action pack of what we have in the first five minutes of this film? We already know what we have basically within the first five minutes. Yeah, I mean, uh, shout out to Brandy Schnick. Uh, she, I think, kind of yeah. hit it on the head with the um, yeah. first thing Stallone yeah. asked for when it came out was the Marvel cigarette. Absolutely correct. I think in the first five minutes, uh, you get a an and a really kind of a, uh, I won't say an apocalyptic '90s LA, but you do get a very kind of downtrodden version of almost like a caricature of urban city life. Uh, you get this, I would say, I won't say he's a rogue police officer, but he's a very, by any means necessary type, you know, law enforcement agent who basically just sees, you know, one or the other is either good or bad with him, uh, doesn't abide by any ethical standards, <laughs> you know, no, no, right. no resistance. And, you know, there's a lot of looking back now, I can see like, yeah, this movie could not come out today. Uh, but, you know, for that set time, uh, there was just a lot of, I think, preconceived notions of how things just went. Um, you have Stallone entering in and, and capturing basically a domestic terrorist uh, in, in Wesley Snipes' character. And then when he captures he himself, because he had to break so many laws to do it, gets cryogenically frozen. The introduction to me, I think what's understated in this whole film is that it really is a technology phenomenon. Uh, technologies that were not out, uh, at least widespread 
in the 90s and then now coming into a new world i think they're and when he gets out it's like 2035 right it's like it's not it's not like too far from where it is today and all of a sudden you know yeah uh 2032 yeah 2032 right so 11 years from now basically he gets released and you're seeing, you know, uh, uh, just all these kind of cool advancements. You're seeing, you know, virtual teller machines, uh, which is an old advancement now to us. Uh, you're seeing, uh, w- what else is going on? You're seeing the seashell effect with, with the toilets. You're seeing, um, I <laughs> VR mean, you're, yeah, you're, you're seeing just the living conditions expand, how food is disseminated. And then you're seeing kind of the what they call the fast food wars, which yeah. really will go over your head until you look back and be like, so McDonald's didn't survive? You know, like you got to almost rewatch right. it and listen to what he's saying. To me, this movie is one of those that you have to be old enough to appreciate it and yet young enough to still have an imagination. Exactly. Because here's the thing. The thing that I liked about this, though, too, is you also have the beef war between Arnold and Sly, though, too. Because remember, they said, oh, Arnold, uh, President Schwarzenegger authorized uh, this to actually happen. And he goes, wait, he was president? So I find that funny, mm-hmm. though, that he was actually governor of California at one point, And then he's elected president in this movie way before he becomes uh, governor. He's just an actor at that time. Mm-hmm. In this time period between Arnie and Sly, Arnie was still just an actor, and it's just kind of ironic that he find he plays into being a governor later on after years after this film, which is pretty ironic. Yep. Um, but you know, I definitely like what you meant, were mentioning the technology, the food wars, the stuff that we we're going through right now mm-hmm. is stuff that you know, can easily be broken down, especially if you look at how the tacos are actually really small tacos is <laughs> because you go into this fancy restaurant and it's actually a taco bell. It's not the taco bell. Like we think of, because even Stallone was like, wait, what? We're going to a taco bell. And then they're also playing like show tunes from commercials of Jolly green giant and everything too, which I think is really funny, but also too, there's also the other thing about how they actually greet each other. They're not, they can't touch each other or anything like that. And I was making a joke during the pandemic last year. I was like, from now on, I'm greeting you like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. I noticed that. Cause when they saw each other, they were like this. It was because I think Sandra says in the future, there's no like physical contact. Like everybody right. is kind of like a protect. Yeah. And like now it's like, that's normal. You know, like, <laughs> But yeah, what about you, Charlie? What what about um, the stuff that Vernon and I were mentioning, the introduction, stuff like that? I mean, the intro, like I said, I mean, it sets you up for the movie, which is kind of funny because that's the most people Stallone killed. He, I think he killed more people in the opening than he did the rest of the movie. So it was kind of like, like okay, which is like defeats the purpose of the demolition, man. I mean, he's only going to kill like that many people in the beginning. And then I just thought it was funny because the, the, the cop that was like being like, like butchering him at the end, that was the captain from Lethal Weapon series. So I thought that was definitely 90s feel right there. Um, and then I, like I said, at the seashell thing, that was hysterical. And it's nice seeing Rob Schneider work again, work with Stallone. Like, I don't know if he did Judge Dredd before this one. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but Rob Schneider wasn't annoying in this one. He was funny and Stallone looked like he was at. Anytime you cuss, you get a ticket, which I thought was hilarious. And he goes, mm-hmm. I got toilet paper now. 
Like, I mean, it's just, um, <laughs> I mean, and then the, the whole 90s stuff to it. Yeah. I mean, it definitely had that feel to it. And it's like, it's a very, it's an action movie, but it's a very thought provoking one. Cause there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on with it. Like the whole idea of, Oh, when you're cryogenic, like we, we do stuff to your head and we make you like make Stallone want to knit stuff. And yet you get like Wesley Snipes pretty much allowing him like this murder death kill everybody. And like the, those cops, like if they really thought policing was going to be okay, how they're going to do it. I'm like, you guys are dead, easily dead. Like, like Wesley Snipes, like took them out. Like, like they were vampires in a sense. <laughs> Like it's just like, oh, you need to, you need to. I mean, like Peter again was telling him, you need to say it with force. I'm like, I'm like, really? You're just you're you're provoking him. But um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely had that '90s feel to it. I love the Schwarzenegger Arnold beef because they both had really good movies coming out in the '80s and the '90s. Um, and then I um. Um, I don't remember them being as cheesy one-liners in this one, which was kind of a bummer because you figure a slime, a slime movie, you gotta have some one-liners or that. I mean, I don't consider it be fucked one of those liners when he's like, <laughs> it's gonna be well, be beat, be effed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's an entertaining movie. Like Vernon and I said, it's not our favorite ones. Um, it's 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 in its it's it's a it's a great movie, but it's not our favorite ones like i said i definitely have a lot of other Stallone movies i have ranked above this one right. like definitely cobra i have cobra ranked it because cobra is just so good and it's definitely 80s um yeah. that but it, it's an entertaining movie but yeah i like the i like the setup but it was just i wouldn't still you know kill some more people and then the and then the amount of people we killed in the opening i mean it was really only like five people who didn't know in the whole beginning <laughs> that's what it seems like <laughs> That's actually true now that you think of it. He didn't really kill that many people. And also, too, if you think about it, though, everyone that Simon wanted to wanted him to join forces and stuff, basically they were out there for themselves. All they wanted to do was eat and have some tacos and leave us alone. I, we live underground. We don't want no beef with these cops. These cops are just your friendly neighborhood cops that just rescued cats out of the uh, – pretty much out of the trees because they don't know how to defend themselves. They don't know how to do any type of weapons. Weapons are actually in the museum because it's oh, illegal yeah. to have guns and everything. So there's zero crime. No fun. <laughs> no. Absolutely yeah. no fun. It, it's so funny, like looking at it now. And I, I just remember that their weapons were in a museum. Like he had to actually go to the museum to get yeah. like, it's it. And I think it, it really is almost like a, I won't say it's foretelling, but it is foreshadowing in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think it was a it was an understanding of where society was and where it was going, and how could we make almost a uh, post apocalyptic world seem uh, in a caricature form, right? Because one thing that's consistent in all '90s films, no matter what the film or the genre is. There's a lack of seriousness. It could be a serious topic, but it's not like, like, like you felt that. Like it was, it was like a, a tear shed, right? Like it was so uh, dramatically intense. I mean, like almost every film that comes out now, you know, has that element, like that tear right. shed element. You know, like I, I watched uh, uh, Suicide Squad over the weekend. And even though it was funny, it was a very dark humor, right? Like it had to right. had to incorporate this. Where that movie would have been made 20, 25 years ago, it would have been, you know, goofy and yeah, yeah, it would have been almost like, you know, kiddish, right? So yeah. so like you're really taking adult elements and you're almost putting it down. So 
how can you commercialize it? And I think that was the industry pressure. Every movie had to be commercialized. It had to be, you had to be able to sell the action figures to kids in Happy Meal sacks. And if if you had to make Sylvester Stallone basically like that toy, right? So you see it and you see it done well. I mean, it's it's done artistically well in this film uh, on so many levels. Right. And speaking of the Happy Meal stuff, I remember when this was promoted on Taco Bell. This There was a commercial advertisement on Taco Bell. And at that time, Taco Bell wasn't doing Happy Meals or anything like that. But I remember Walmart having a bunch of Demolition Man action figures and everything. I actually had one of the action figures, but I remember Taco Bell being a sponsor for uh, Demolition Man. And I remember it's just like in the movie. Stallone comes in, busting in the door. Wesley Snipes sitting at the desk. He goes, he goes what are you going to get? Because I'm getting some tacos. And <laughs> next thing you know, it, it's like, come to Taco Bell to get some tacos and but you know it definitely has that 90s flair to it and like you said you actually have to build a model that is built for stallone as for an action figure does it has to actually look like stallone and be able to sell that action figure and i actually bought like i said i bought one of those demolition man action figures when i was a kid but you know, another thing, though, too, that I like what Simon does is he plays a little bit of a mind game with him at the very beginning, though, too, where he's like, what what hostages? What hostages are you even talking about? There's no hostages here. Um, it's just me. And so basically, after he after Stallone kills everybody inside that building, he goes on ahead, throws uh, Simon Phoenix on a table what and whams on him for a little bit and then arrests him and next thing you know it there's this huge explosion that erupts and next thing you know it come to find out there were hostages in the building and it was actually on a bus and those now they're actually dead so now he's being judged based on the fact that there were innocents that was spilled on that yeah you got simon but what at what cost so now he's being judged and having to be sentenced uh, to life in prison pretty much for what he did until they decided to unfreeze him. So, you know, if it wasn't for Wesley Snipes breaking out, he would have still been frozen. But, you know, I think that I like the whole entire aspect where you have a sci-fi element to it where you have a guy that's fresh out of water in a 2032 uh, kind of film and you don't know what he's going to be like. His old ways and his old customs are not going to match what, what they do. He's going to have that same style that he had of bringing somebody in versus how they do things. And you see that straight out of when he gets unfrozen. And, you know, and I have to agree with what Brandy said, send a maniac to catch a maniac. And also, too, what Brandy said, too, is like we're predictions of some of our world today that we're living in with some of the customs that we're doing and stuff like that. And I don't know if 90s me would be able to relate to something that is going on in the world today into this kind of aspect and everything either. So it's like a fish out of water kind of scenario with Stallone. So. And I um, think that's the magic behind it. I think uh, the fish out of water, um, because if you do remember, like we all saw it when it came, like, you know, when it was new, when it was newer, you know, right. and then you kind of look back now and with time, kind of bringing about the validation to the, the truth of this film, it's like, huh. Versus if you watch Terminator 1, even though Terminator 1 and, you know, and 
evil robotics machine coming to destroy humanity might be more feasible, <laughs> it's still not relatable because there's no disconnect. It's like, but somebody, you know, for us, we're still in control of the artificial intelligence. How does this thing become autonomous, right? So like that, that bridge is never built. And I think that's why, and I hate to say this because I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. Um, Ar Arnie's films have not stood the test of time. And I don't, that Sylvester Stallone films have. There's no art. I mean, terminate like they made too many Terminators, right? Like, right. like all of his films have not withstood the test of time. You can look back uh, on Sylvester Stallone films, uh, uh, Creed, Apollo, right? Like, right. all of his films honestly can be redone today, and it still have the same almost right. momentum behind it because I think what Sylvester Stallone always presented his films had to have some type of philosophical truth. And that right. truth is always going to redefine itself versus Arnold's films was always like, be bigger, be stronger, be faster, you know, but that doesn't always translate in today's society. The only film you could go back and I'm thinking of Arnold's catalog and remake is the film he did with uh, uh, Danny DeVito, the twins. twins. Yeah, 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 the twins. Like The Rock and Kevin Hart could do that, but I felt like they've done it in a variation before, right? So right. that that's the thing. His his films just don't last the time, you know, the test of time. Right. And also, too, I feel like you can reboot Jingle All the Way and get the you same could. kind of flavor. But they also made a sequel to Jingle All the Way with Larry, Larry the Cable Guy, and I'm like, eh, yeah, eh. No. Uh, come on, I want to have the iconic thing, put the cookie down. But yeah. Right. <laughs> but going ahead, Charlie. All right. Um, so to answer that question, I think then um, they also kind of did it to Kindergarten Cop too, and they kind of made Dolph Lundgren mm. that. However, I just watched a few Arnold movies not too long ago. Um, the movies I think definitely hold up is Raw Deal, which okay. is a great Arnold movie, which is on HBO Max. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. It's yeah. essentially he goes undercover to this like Chicago mob, and he's like trying to like avenge this guy that, and it has. And then, like I said, it has a great soundtrack for it, and it's classic 80s. You should never drink and bake. Like, it's just got these classic one-liners, and it's and it's got an awesome sequence where Arnold's taking out an entire, like, like, entire crew in one location. And that was a great sequence, and then that that's what makes me like his one of his recent ones, Sabotage. The ending in that movie, Sabotage, was very old-school Arnold. It was him taking out people in a bar. And that one's more grittier, but like I think that one, but it's a raw deal and a great one. And I just watched Predator not too long ago, the original. Yeah. yeah. Predator is a great one. And it's got the iconic Dylan, you son of a bitch line. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's the epicness of macho mentismo, like things that like, if, if that happened today, they're like, look at all the world we live in, I really be freaking out. But we had that iconic, like, like the like togetherness or the handshake muscle. I remember like, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, and then there's a couple of, I mean, True Lies would be a great one. I think they keep talking about that one. Yeah. Like, I stoked that. Um, so the Arnold thing, there's a couple of them hold up. And I think, still think Commando holds up because if it wasn't for Commando, I don't think we would have gone Rambo because Rambo is essentially what Commando was. Um, and then, like, and the original Kindergarten Cops, fantastic. But there, those are a few Arnold ones I can think of that are like that still hold up. Like Predator, this is awesome. And Raw yeah. Deal is another a very underrated Arnold movie that came out in the '80s, and it's got that '80s 
vibe to it. And then to go on the whole bullying about the commercialism, I think commercialism happened in the 80s. And the biggest one with the commercialism was RoboCop. Yep. RoboCop That's true. Right. our movie, yep. promoted to kids. And that movie is not for kids. It's <laughs> not for kids. It's really sad. No. It is. Right. It's so, there's too much it blood quips everywhere. And I actually I own a RoboCop toy I from mean, the original uh, RoboCop thing. Yeah. And yeah. I remember the having the action figure where you actually have to go ahead and put in the little caps mm-hmm. that you have and, and can actually flip, yeah, flip the switch on it. Yeah. And it actually looks like he's shooting his gun, but really it's not. It's just him smoking from the back. Yeah. <laughs> but still. No, RoboCop um, yeah, was... No, yeah, I was yeah, gonna say right. RoboCop was classic. I mm-hmm. had the Super Nintendo. Uh, I had the RoboCop Four. It was either for Super or Sega. I think it was for Sega. I had it for Sega. Absolutely classic. It was sad though. It definitely is not a kid movie. Yet it was marketed toward children mm-hmm. at that time. I don't really understand the reasoning for RoboCop, but I agree. I, I there are some iconic. I think Arnold Predator is by far probably Arnold's most underrated film. If you go back and watch, you be like, this film really you know, was better than what it was presented to be originally. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I, I think though with Arnold, the, the problem is Arnold was something that we didn't, that Hollywood had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And when he came out with Terminator, every other action figure had to, or action movie had to line up to that. Right. It was like, this is what the face of, you know, action looks like. And then you start seeing kind of variations. So you see a Stallone yeah. version. And then you see like a Mel Gibson version and Lethal Weapon, right? Yeah. And it's almost like a, a watery down effect of the true yeah. talent to me that Arnold possessed. The thing about Arnold that he struggled with is it's great to be um, just, just this picture of He-Man. But can you make a serious enough film? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think this is something Sylvester Stallone has really tried to do, and he himself hasn't found it. Is that film that is Oscar worthy? If there is such a thing, I don't even know if that matters anymore, right? But you see it, you see it, you know, with The Rock, like trying to find that film of, yes, I can do more than just be, you know, you know, big and vascular. I can, I can, I can also act on screen. Well, right. technically, aren't like Sly. Should have won the Oscar for Creed. He should, he have. should have won the. He got screwed. He got screwed on that. Sorry, Mark Rylance. I'm sorry, but you stole it from Stallone. I'm not sugarcoating it. I I was really like I was. The, I mean, I'm not the only one to fight, but he Stallone got robbed because the studio's like, oh, let's give you this. Let's have you win all the other stuff and all the other awards, and then not give it to you at the Oscars. And it's just it's just like this was Stallone's that. And mm-hmm. he took it from him, and it's just that that to this day, that's one of the ones that Stallone would have got, sh- definitely deserved to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Creed. He was great yep. in that movie. And he was like, like that. That I mean, that's him. And I don't. I mean, I don't like Stallone's in that age where I don't think he's gonna be able to get to that level, like to be able to mm-hmm. win, like get another one. Because I think, I think the stu- I think the Oscar screwed him, and whoever decided that, yeah, I, I totally agree. But. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, we're all de- like, like Sean. We'll have to do a show about Arnold because we did one for Sly. We got to do it. Yeah, for we'll do like a filmography thing. That's what I'm going to be calling the new those kind of episodes, like a yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger filmography, just yeah. dedicated to Arnie films because I think yeah. that would be perfect. I mean, we did it for Sly. We got to do it for Arnold. I mean, to be honest with you, I've been thinking about it too. 
Yeah, there's so many good Arnold movies. Like, and then it's like, because we're doing, we're spending a lot of time with Stallone, and then we still got, two, <laughs> we got we got so, we got a, we got two more Stallone movies you haven't seen, John. We got to do reviews for. We got to do Tango right. and Cash, and we got to do Cobra because Cobra is the like right. like the vehicle from from Cobra that car he drives. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same car variation that he drives in the Expendables. The opening his uh, his truck. I think it's the exact same car as uh, as the one that he had in uh, that. And Cobra is just so like the epitome of eighties sunglasses. Like he's like the, right. the roughneck cop right. that he likes. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then they go on the whole point about the Simon Faye. And I'm like him tricking that. I mean, I feel bad for Stallone because Simon's. A, a, why would anybody believe Simon? Because he he admitted I killed all those people. I, I tricked you. I, I killed all these people, and yet nobody believes Stallone. Nobody believed him. And it's like, what? Right. Like, I didn't kill anybody. Like, no, there was nobody in that building. And then yet they, they took the, the villain side the whole time. And, like, still, and then that's why we just felt so bad for him because right. the system screwed him. And they're just trying to screw him again when they got him out of the water. And then he had the, uh, like, like the, the, counselor can, counselors um for yeah. Perdue or whatever and he was just a puppet i mean the quote charlie's theron from uh fat uh, fast nine you're 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 yoda there's somebody can somebody has a hand up your ass controlling you like a puppet <laughs> that's essentially what the, the chancellor was and he was like and he's totally against the people that are actually the real people that like the people that actually like are the underground folks led by dennis leary i mean mm. they're the real true people that should be in charge of Los Angeles or their prestigious, rich piece of crap area that was. Right. Yeah. And Simon is a complete ball bag. If you think about it though, why would you trust a psychopath and everything? Why would you believe him over a cop and everything? That's just I'm something saying. that is just crazy, you know, but that's just goes to show you at the level of, you know, right. the complicity of the character. Right. And to, to Simon's defense, Simon is the first. So I think there was this there was this trend of villains in the 90s that you had to be like an evil genius. Blonde. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's true, but you had to be an evil genius like um like uh die hard. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like there it was all this, and like it had to be a layers to this. We think of like silence of the lambs. So like all your villains now were kind of like you know, they, they had this other side and even though they were like evil people, you know, they were really like intellectual geniuses in some aspect. Cause Simon, like couldn't Simon like speak all the languages or something like that? Yeah. Like, yeah, like it was just, it was wild what he could do, but mm -hmm. it like, it always got like confused with the bigger message. And, you know, basically what the movie points to is that Simon is a byproduct or a product of his environment. And that's what I'm saying, like, and I don't know if, if Sly, if that's kind of like always Sly's kind of theme in some of these films or what it's pointing to. Uh, but Simon, a young Wesley Snipes, and this is pre- uh, I'm Blade. Gonna, yeah, this yeah. is pre-Blade. Yeah, this is right before yeah. Blade came out. Yeah, because Blade Blade came out in 96, I believe. Okay. 98. 98. 98. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two Close enough. So seven years, yeah, I think five years later. Um, yeah. This is before he became Blade and that's when his career took off. And Brian, this perfect. dude can throw down. He's martial arts. He yep. knows how to actually handle his business. Uh, like you mentioned before, 
um, and everything too, Vernon, him speaking the different languages, the different dialects and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he just breaks out of the prison cell and everything whenever he's doing that, uh, whenever he's doing that and just fakes out the people that's doing the whole entire uh, sentencing and then kills him, takes his eye and then waves mm -hmm. the eye in front of <laughs> the facial recognition. <laughs> be well. Yeah, I will be well. And <laughs> and then, you know, I liked also too whenever he steals a car and they think all is well. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. I know what to do. We're going to go on ahead and we're going to just stop this guy's car. I'm like, yeah. you do realize he can get out of that car, right? <laughs> and also the car he's driving looks like a bullet. It actually looks like a bullet. And everything, which makes me makes it hilarious, because this is this is doctor that he stole this doctor's car, and it looks like a straight up bullet. To be honest with you, Nessa, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you got to do what you got to do to get by. Uh, Alan Rickman played a good villain. I mean, and then, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely get that idea about the '90s villains. And the other kind of famous, they got to die in the most like intense way possible. <laughs> Uh, Simon Phoenix, he got frozen. He got his head cut off, mm. like kicked, actually not cut off, kicked off. Um, he, yeah, Stallone like booted it like seventy yards, um, or whatever. Um, Alan Rickman dropped from Nakatomi Plaza because nothing says <laughs> Christmas until not you see him fall down Nakatomi Plaza, and then mm. I believe in the nineties we got Sean Bean, the epitome of the most, the guy that dies in the most, um intense ways possible or ridiculous ways possible he gets dropped they haven't seen goldeneye at this point i mean that that's on you i mean that, that's a classic right. Bond movie he gets dropped from like high up and the thing drops on him <laughs> like i mean so like and he was kind of a complex villain too he played both sides but yeah i mean i i, I agree with you on that one all these like the villains in the 90s definitely complex yeah heck even Frost, Deacon Frost was kind of complex too. He was, I mean, he was kind of, yeah. He was also kind I, of blonde too, or a little bit. You got like a blonde tip or whatever. I don't know. Or somebody in his posse was blonde or whatever. I don't know. But yeah. So I mean, that that, that I agree with you that it seems like the '90s seemed to be the the, the very good complex villains because we don't. There's very rarely have we've gotten some really good villains from movies lately. I mean, the one recently I could pick up was definitely Silva from Skyfall. Yeah. That op that monologue that Silva did deliver that was like fantastic. Like you know, like Skyfall is like probably the so far the superior Daniel Craig movie in my opinion. But yeah, he's complex in that one. And yeah, so I think like lately we haven't gotten that that type of a villain. And and then because like I think there there sometimes that there are really good performances. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We don't get good villains. I would I would almost say that. Um... Oh my God! Killmonger might have been a great villain, but the problem is, is he officially a villain? And that's always been the debate. So, like yeah. now, we don't have villains; we have antiheroes. And I right. and I think and that's great because now you can love the bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. It is not wrong to love the bad guy or bad girl, or whoever. But the problem is with that is that if you don't have a defined enemy, what are you really fighting? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. <laughs> like Thanos. Okay, I mean, he was kind of that. I mean, he was getting there. He was very vicious. Yeah. But then, he, and then he also kind of sees sides, so it's kind of hard. Like he definitely is a villain, but 
Very like the Marvel point. ones, you, they haven't been that many good villains in the Marvel. Yeah. And that's what I mentioned on the show last night and everything. There hasn't been really that much complexity when you look at the Marvel villains or anything like that. But Killmonger had was the best villain from the MCU, which I wish they didn't kill. Right. Because Michael B. Jordan gave him the layers that he needed yeah. and the motivation it's with it. I felt I feel like that he was really good. You have Loki that was good. Uh because kind of, of the like fact an oh, sorry, go ahead. Like, well, now he's yeah. now he's now he's an anti-hero. But right. looking back in 2010 though, yeah, Loki was actually a villain before he got redeemed into this universe of Loki. He mm -hmm. was actually a full-on villain. Look at the motivation, him hiring the aliens, the technology to kill him, kill uh, to prove to, to his family that he is better than Thor and everything. So, you know, in a way, he is a he was a villain back in 2010, but, you know, now he's redeemed. Now he's an anti-hero. So you see how they did that complexity, and then they changed him gave him some redeemable qualities to where we care about his character versus what before where we didn't really care that much about his character from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at it. But you know, everybody's opinions is subjective anyways, because of the film or objectively, yeah. but you know, and I, like but, it. I, yeah. I was thinking, I said, we probably need to do a review of the best, uh, double Oh sevens because, uh, uh, Craig, I, I, you could argue that, He's a good actor and the worst James Bond. Yep. And that's like, uh, you know, like I still think I like oh, Pierce Brosnan, but I mean, I even before, too. you know, uh, oh my God, Connor, what's the name? James uh, just passed away. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Connor. Sean yeah. Connery to me is still the GOAT when it comes to James Bond. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm the opposite. I didn't. Like Sean Connery is one. I'm not. I wasn't a huge fan of his movies. I actually liked Roger Moore better than Sean Connery in terms of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see that look, Sean. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, the new one is going to be. I, I'm I'm hyped for the new Bond movie. It looks fantastic. It looks like I'm pumped. I've been pumped for that for a while. I think Dan Daniel Craig's going to do a great job. So and then then we'll get a new Bond and what so not and that's why they have been holding off announcing who the new Bond is. But um, I didn't care. For, and again, that 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 have to be a showver, and we have to do it like right. fair James Bonds. But uh, mm -hmm. but then it's like I didn't. I wouldn't consider Loki that after the first movie after the Avengers. Then he was kind of working with Thor, and then he died. And then Ragnarok, he wasn't really much of a villain. Like I I don't consider him the Killmonger. I I didn't pick up figure out that one. I'm like he had motivation. So, and it's like, he, I don't know it, if he was a bad guy or not. I don't know. It's very hard with the, the MCU to find like villains like, Oh, it's Bucky. No, Bucky's not a villain. It's like, you can't really pick <laughs> one in the MCU. And, and then the DC universe, like, I mean, they, they haven't really had besides since the Joker, they haven't had a really good villain at all. And Heath Ledger was fantastic. Yeah. Maybe I mean you could say maybe the guy like Jesse Iceberg was decent as um as like uh Lex Sleeper. Lex, Lex as his son. Yeah. Yeah. As, son, as like know. I mean Lex, I mean he had the I mean he, he was very he wasn't strong, but he didn't have to. He was very smart. I mean that sequence with the 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 the, the, uh, the courtroom, what he did with that, that was intense. How he tricked Superman mm -hmm. and everybody died in that room. Like that was yeah. so like 
makes you jump out of your seat. So I, I think right. maybe him, but then again, not him because the studio interfered. So, I mean, it's, it's, villains are very hard to come by these days and it's like, you, you can't really figure out a good one. Maybe the recent one for me, I mean, mainly it's on TV because there's a lot of good villains in TV, but maybe in that movie Dread, Lena Headey was fantastic as mama and as Dread, and she was vindictive. She was controlling. So it's, but other than that, it's really hard to figure out like a good villain, and that, that that's that's that. And I mean, we we need more of those because that's what the '90s and the early 2000s excelled right. in. Right. But let's see here. As far as I, I want to say one more thing, and then you know we'll pile go on to the other thing. But you know, I know that you mentioned TV shows, Charlie, and everything. Francis D'Onofrio as Kingpin was a perfect villain for a smaller TV, even though it was a TV show. Think of it like this. We had an hour of television that felt like a cinematic universe for a smaller version of what we have. So we have 13 hours of nonstop action, slow pacing episodes that feel like a movie, but not a movie. But Francis D'Onofrio, you cannot deny that dude did not have layers to him. Like as soon as he gets out of the car, he smashes as soon as he gets out of the van, he smashes one dude's head in with the door. Spoiler and, alert for anybody hasn't seen Daredevil. Well, I didn't say who died. I just said he just smashes somebody's head. Well, I, don't, I, I was just saying, how many people have gotten the chance to watch Daredevil? On, even though it's been out for a couple few years, but uh, maybe well, you to see the show. But go ahead, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. But yeah, I just feel like Francis D'Onofrio as Kingpin was the best one that we had. And also, too, Jessica Jones, the villain Purple Man, was yeah. really good for it. But then they started going down a downward path after they did Punisher and all that. Punisher was, to me, one of my favorite shows. You get layers to Frank Castle. Then you also have layers to Jigsaw. You had layers to his villains. These villains were not very one-note. This was actually pacing at its best, slow pacing. You have development with your characters. You know what their motivations are, and they're there. It just depends on the writing and the script and the universe that that director's trying to tell us and everything. And if if it feels like what he wants to tell us is just a one note villain, that's what he's going to tell us, sadly. Because I feel like there's a lot of actors that get underutilized for their work and everything. But, you know, but um, let's go on ahead. There's something else that I, as far as this movie goes and stuff, that I want to mention though, too, is, you know, I like how. Simon also goes into the museum with the guns and then here's Stallone watching everything play out on the screen and he's like Simon is not going to be a person to reason with. He's going after a gun. And and I like how the computer actually gives him analogy, uh, analytics as to what he's going to do and it's actually the complete opposite of what he is. And, and he goes, no. Simon's there for a gun. He's going to get a gun. Well, the only place that there's a gun is at at this museum. And there's no way to actually break the glass or anything like that. And the only way to break it is if pretty much if you throw somebody into the glass. And that's what exactly what he does. He winds up getting <laughs> getting uh, this one dude in the museum and throws him and throws him into the glass. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Brandy Mullen says, if you could remake Demolition Man, who would you use? And then after that, we'll get into Nessa. Uh, uh, Sly's character would be it would be either The Rock or Chris Hemsworth, uh, only because you have to get 
uh, somebody that is overly muscular. Uh, and I can only think of two <laughs> actors like in Hollywood right now that kind of fit that bill. And for uh, Wesley's character, oh man, God, a real villain. Mm. I I don't even know. Um, I, I, can answer, I can answer the villain part because he's got to have the skills as Wesley. I was gonna get Statham. Oh yeah, mm. but I feel yeah Statham could he could. He hasn't played many villains, though. I think like the only villain really that you've seen him in was a movie called Cellular with Chris uh, Chris Evans, um, mm-hmm. Captain Meg, and he was a villain in that one. Um, um, he didn't do a lot of the, the martial arts, but it was more of a thriller, and he was very that. That's the only movie I've seen him play a villain in was Cellular, and that was back in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, I think. If you made it serious and, and like it couldn't be the same theme, it had to be serious. Joaquin Phoenix can play a villain like no other. Yes. Like he is born to be vilified. Right. So right. I, I think he could do it. Let's see. Uh, we also have this. Thank you, Brandy. I do appreciate that compliment. Then we have Nessa uh, Mullins. She goes, I find it funny that they chose a man who played a sparkly vampire and cast him as Batman. Okay. Here's the thing. When I, when it comes down to Twilight and everything, I've done a two-hour podcast on just the Twilight movies in general <laughs> because I reviewed all three, all the Twilight films during the pandemic last year and <laughs> for the audio podcast, Tamika and I. But here's the thing. I was trapped in that whole entire Twilight thing with Robert Pattinson. So I'm like, there's got to be a movie that actually hits me in the right way in order for me to say what what gave him a chance to give him a shot as Batman. There has to be something that they saw in that audition room to be Batman. So here's the thing. I watched the devil all the time and I was creeped out by Robert Pattinson's performance. He played a villainous role that was really great and different. It was a performance that I was not expecting from Pattinson at all. And there's no one to really root for in devil all the time. Everybody has, unless you count Tom Holland, but that's like the only character that you can pretty much root for. But when you look at the stuff that uh, Robert Pattinson did and everything for that film, it was dark. And I'm like, okay, maybe this was the movie that they saw him in and be like, you know what? I want to sign him off to do this. But also, too, you know, there's also the other spark with the lighthouse, which I haven't seen or anything like that. But I've always been the type of person that never shame, tries to shame an actor or anything like that whenever it comes down to auditions. Because here's the thing. All film is subjective and things like that. But my question, my line of questioning is this. There has to be something that somebody saw in an audition room for them to say, you know what? We're going to give you a chance. We're going to give you a chance to audition and see what happens. And look, Robert Downey Jr., nobody thought that would work. We, no one thought that Michael Keaton would work. If the internet was around in the 1980s, if someone would say that Mr. Mom was playing Batman, you wouldn't. You would see all the hatred that Keaton would get, because I remember that in the 1980s. The internet, how dare they do this? He's not Batman. Batman's not Mr. Mom. I could just see the memes going all over the place, and everything. To be honest with you. But for me, I'm sold with 
uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman, he may not have that physique that you would have with a Christian Bale. You can't, he can't get that built. But here's the thing: this is a year one kind of Batman. That's the way I feel. But he can get ripped. Uh, maybe you have a little cut, maybe something like that. But he's not going to be on that same build as Christian Bale because they're two different sizes and everything. So there's no way that he can have that same physique. But at least pump some iron, do what you have to do to get that role as Batman because everybody kills to be in that role for Batman. But that's just my opinion, though. But what do you guys think? I mean, I know Charlie is rolling his – I know what he's going to say. But I'm ready to go. Vernon, you go first. Uh, I'm ready to go. All right. So um, I think Robert Patterson is a good actor. I think he's a really good actor. He's, he's really talented. Um, Batman, though. I'm not saying he couldn't do well as Batman. It's just that what what or what type of Batman are we getting? Are we getting Dark Knight? Are we getting... 1980s Batman? Are we getting the comical George Clooney Batman? And depending on the universe that you basically do with this film, is going to determine the actor that you need, right? Uh, if you go serious, serious dark grit, can he do that? Uh, maybe. You know, I think he has a skill set to do that. I do believe it. Can he sell it? That's another thing, right? If you go comical, then to me, yeah, he could do that. He could be George Clooney because he did it in, you know, in, in uh, all the Twilights, right? So he can be the he can be the heartthrob, you know, Batman. If you go Dark Knight, right, like start of a of a major action figure, MC, uh, basically, uh, or DC Universe, and you know, like another film, another film, another film. Can he produce his own trilogy? Would you want to see this man three times in three different iterations? I, I don't know. I, I don't know because the thing about Robert Patterson in all of his films, he has had a strong supporting cast. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So even the, the latest film with uh, John David Washington, I can't even think of the name of it. Right. Now. Yeah. Tenet, right. Like John David is like, you like he has always the cast around him so he can kind of like blend in in the atmosphere. So I don't know. I am looking forward to it because I do love DC. I actually prefer DC over Marvel, though Marvel makes better movies. Uh, but, you know, I really think, you know, this Batman is either going to is, is either going to is going to fail or succeed on two things. Which universe, which type of Batman are you trying to per, uh, personify? And then the, the villain that is selected, who is going to drive the narrative? Because Batman is only as good as the villain that he fights. Right. So if you get a strong and, I, and, I, and I've seen, you know, the, the trailers and everything, the villain is going to have to produce something so strong that you, you forget about Heath Ledger's performance. You forget about Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Uh, I mean, even Jared Leto's performance. And if you can't, to me, mimic that, then Batman is going to fail. Um, I'm. I don't think it's going to do it. The movie looks from the first trailer. I'm not sold on this at all. And just reading their list off that Colin Farrell's Penguin, not in this movie very long. So it's going to be Paul Dano's Riddler. Hopefully he can do it. I don't know. Um, But Zoe Kravitz, I am not sold as Catwoman. I don't think that was a great choice. 
right. That's that's I mean that that's 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 bad. But the problem is about to answer the question, who would do this? Warner Brothers doesn't even know what the heck they're doing. There's so many universes with Batman. You got mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson's Batman, which I think I'm off on him, absolutely. Like, no, no, no. Like, I liked him in Tenet because he wasn't annoying. I didn't care for the devil all the time. I didn't like him. He was very annoying. I mean, maybe that's me personally. Um, but, I mean, the cast, like, I mean, like you said, it's got to be the cast. And there's, yeah, you have Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, but how big is it? And he's in, I've, obviously, they announced Colin Farrell is not in the Batman very long. Like, okay, that's Penguin. That's an iconic villain. He's not in it very long. Like, I don't know. I don't think Batman that. And the other thing is with the universe is you got the Flash movie, which has got both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck. Yeah, there's Ben Affleck got crapped on for Batman. I'm pretty sure Bale got crapped on Heath Ledger. But, I mean, and then they all worked out. I don't think this one's going to work out. I don't see Robert Pattinson as Batman. He didn't look buff. In the sequence ad, all he did was just beat a guy. He beat up one guy. So I don't know what, again, what version well, of Batman we're getting. But again, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's going to be very good. This is the one of the like comes out next year. There's so much other stuff that's coming out next year that's definitely got my attention. This does not. I think maybe Flash might be on next year. I'm not 100 percent sure, but you know you got Doctor Strange next year. Absolutely, yep, yep. you got. Thor, Love and Thunder next yep. year. Yes, you got. Um, I'm more excited for Mobius than I am Batman with Jared Leto. I, I mean, am, I'm excited is, about that one. Um, yeah. there's like, I mean, and there's like tons of other stuff that's coming out next year, and I think, um, heck, I'm even excited more for the new Jurassic World movie than this one. It's just, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I this movie does not look good, and the, the casting hasn't like, yay, I'm interested. I'm not. I mean, I like Pattinson and Harry Potter because he died at the end. <laughs> um, Tenet, I liked him because he didn't piss me off. He was not in it. But he was in it, but he didn't really piss me off. But like you said, John David Washington was fantastic in right. Tenet. And the, the rest of the cast was fantastic. Pattinson was in it, but you don't really pick up. I mean, kick at his um, Aaron, a, 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 Taylor Johnson had a bigger role in Tenet than... Robert Pattinson did, but yeah, and it's also the studio doesn't even know what they're doing. The studio is having trouble just trying to get these movies. Like they screwed up big time in Wonder Woman 1984. So and let's have let's have many Batmans. I'm like, let's make it make sense. Let's force everything together and not make it make sense. Like, um, Warner Brothers, you need to back off. Maybe this one isn't me. This isn't, and then who knows what the theaters? I don't think many people are going to like. I don't know what COVID's going to be like next year. Like, I mean, this is, it depends on how early this is. Oh, it's March 4th. I don't know. Maybe um, it might do decent. I hope not. Honestly, this is the, I mean, I don't want this one to succeed because I don't like, it doesn't vibe well. And, and Matt Reeves, you made some pretty bad daughter. Like the, like the first Planet of the Apes movie, Rise of the Planet of the Apes was great. And the sequels happened and I was not happy with the sequels because they were not great movies. Like, that's me, but, I mean, I'm not sold on Matt Reeves. Definitely not sold on Pattinson, not sold on Zoe Kravitz. Sure, Jeffrey Wright might be cool as Gordon, but how long is Gordon going to be in it? I mean, I like Colin Farrell, but if Colin Farrell is not in it, um, like, in it that long, then there's really no point watching it, honestly, because I like Colin Farrell. But, I don't know, this movie's just, sure, trailers look cool, but we haven't had a trailer. This movie comes out, like, 
Next year, we've only had really one trailer, and that was years ago. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of stuff behind the scenes, so hopefully they, because they, the problem is they didn't promote Suicide Squad enough, and they need to, because the Suicide Squad was great. But I don't know. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not sold on Robert Pattinson. I've the stuff I've seen him in, I'm not impressed. I don't think he's gonna be good. Um, that's me. Um, I, I think I had more faith in Ben Affleck than that because I when when he was Ben Affleck was cast as Batman, I thought he was gonna be great. He was. Um, my dad and my brother joked with me like, "Oh, come on, Ben Affleck is gonna not gonna be great." I'm like, "He's gonna be good." Like, because I mean, after Christian Bale, I liked that. I, I thought he was great as Batman, and Mike Keane had moments like, "Did I like the movies in the '80s, '90s as good as?" No, I, I watched them really late in my in my life, but. If I seen them back then, I probably would have enjoyed them more. But for what they did at the did at time, Michael Keaton was believable as Michael as Batman. Christian Bale was kind of believable. Ben Affleck was believable. Robert Pattinson, go go do more vampire movies and just get off. Just like enough. <laughs> but let's see here. Uh, Brandy also said, "Now this is just saying maybe if like later on DC decides, hey, look, we're done with her as Wonder Woman." Maybe we might want her in a different role, maybe a villainous role, something on that line or whatever. That could be something that could actually work. That's something that possibly. But um, but you know, here's the thing. I this is just me seeing from the trailer and everything and stuff like that. With and this is not to persuade you in any way, Charlie, or anything like that. You're gonna think one way, I'm gonna think one way. We're still going to be friends at the end of this podcast anyway. I know. So it doesn't matter. But, but, you know, um, here's the thing, though. I'm thinking that this is, a, this is a year one Batman who's trying to identify who he is. He doesn't know what he's doing right now. So, therefore, I think he's going to – that guy that we're seeing him punch, I think he's going to wind up killing that guy and then learn later on the repercussions of killing someone and that guilt that he has to take with him for killing somebody on an accident. Because he, because when we're mad, we go with our emotions. Our adrenaline's pumping. We're not thinking clearly. We just go on ahead, go ham on somebody without thinking rationally or anything like that. So that's just me thinking from a man's perspective of what would actually happen if you wind up being coming in the crosshairs of Batman and Batman's uh, temper's amped up and he's just going at this guy wailing on him to the point where he's dead. Matter of fact, I saw that in the Matt Murdock. Matter of fact, I saw that in the Daredevil comic where Matt Murdock accidentally kills somebody without even meaning to kill somebody or anything like that because he's actually losing his way and who he is as a person. He's also losing everything that he has. So that's just me and my perspective on that. But you know, um, this I don't, don't want to watch the guy get beat up. Like, if I want to watch a guy get beat up for two hours, I watch a Matt Damon movie. <laughs> Honestly, um, and and I don't know this thing. It's got a lot going against it. It's, it's a hundred million dollar budget, plus or minus marketing and stuff. So I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I don't really want to see him a, a movie. A guy get his ass kicked the whole movie. Honestly, that just I mean, yeah, it starts out him and his dad, but I don't know if you want a good Batman. The Batman in the Harley Quinn show is hysterical. Dietrich Bader, I think Dietrich Bader can end up being a better Batman than Robert Pattinson. And all I did, Dietrich Bader just got to do his voice. What about this? Chris Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Yes, Chris could do it. But the problem with that is that Chris is going to get typecasted as everybody's superhero. 
you know, it, it, like he's now he'll be double dipping in universes. Like he'll be Marvel, DC, you know, fringe. Like it'll be, I, I, I don't, I don't, I would love to see it. I think Chris could do a fantastic job as Batman. I haven't, I've seen all Chris's films. The, the problem with Chris is that you, he's better to me. He's a better Bruce Wayne than he is Batman. Like you see him like, oh, he's Bruce all day long. But when he, as a Batman, can he inhabit that pain, right? Um, I would love to see it. You know, I I, I thought the the latest installment of Men in Black was terrible, oh, but God, yeah, you know, terrible. yeah. <laughs> but I still watched it. You know, so you know, Chris Hemsworth. I mean, I'd rather Chris Hemsworth. I like if I was a casting director and Chris Hemsworth showed up, I'd just give it to him just because it's Chris Hemsworth. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't know. I, I agree with Charlie. I think Marvel, I think Warner Brothers has to decide what universe, what type of Batman do they really want and actually get a director and writers that can create that narrative. And they haven't figured it out yet. And I think right now they're just throwing down money, you know, at, at, at things that don't work. So until they figure it out, it's just not worth investing in another Batman installment. Right. Essentially, when I thought of Men in Black, I thought it was, oh, it's Thor and Rock- Valkyrie teaming up to save the day. I didn't consider it as Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Thor and Valkyrie. They're teamed up in that. And that was ter- a terrible movie. Terrible. Mm. But yeah. All right. Moving back on to Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's. Okay. So another thing that I want to mention is the visuals and stuff like that. I Another thing that I find hilarious is you have these people that's living underground and He's like, so do you what about a do you want a burger? And he's like, Yeah, I'll have a burger. And he's eating the burger, and you know, Sandra Bullock's character is just looking at him. Um, you do know that's not our burger, right? Because what do you mean this is not a burger? It tastes like a burger, it looks like a burger, it has to be a burger. And he goes, Do you see any cows around oh, here? Yeah. And he goes, and she goes, What kind of what kind of burger is this? It's a rat burger. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps eating it. And then also, too, he has a beer in his hand. It's just hilarious, the scene. What scenes for you guys actually work for you guys that, you know, you just laughed at or just mm-hmm. the action sequences and everything, too? We'll talk about that. I think for me, um, um, the the fining, uh, the use of profanity and constantly being fined, uh, you know, yeah. like just some random uh, voice AI automated thing. You know, like, because looking back, even though it's funny, it's not far-fetched. And I think that's what makes humor work. Like, it has to first be believable. And you can see yourself in, you know, not too distant future, like, you know, getting fined. <laughs> for, you know, so I, I thought that was funny. I Shout out to Sandra Bullock, who we have not mentioned at all. Uh, you know, she basically was the co-star, but was never acknowledged as such. Uh, Sandra Bullock, to me, was underrated uh underappreciated in this film did a fantastic job um and her kind of just love for nostalgia um uh, mm-hmm. and the lightheartedness that she brings uh but her depth uh, and range of, of acting i mean anything with sandra bullock in and of course seeing rob schneider in it you know all i could think of was every other rob schneider cameo <laughs> that he has yeah, done what so. we talked about the other night yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like the. Uh, there's a lot like the like the cussing sequence was hilarious. Like the sequence where the. Uh... Oh. Uh, 
Okay, I know that it's getting kind of late and everything with our podcast and stuff like that. But um, Vernon, I know that you um, that you need to step out, and that's perfectly fine, man. And here's the thing: I want you to come back again. You're always welcome on this channel. And you know, um, where can everybody reach you at and everything on your channel? Look, YouTube CVK. It's Cody Vernon Kelly, man. You can hit me up there. You connect with me on Instagram at CVMK33. Uh, that's where I post all my stuff. I just had Chris Broussard. If anybody watches sports, uh, you know, uh, notarized and, and famous ESPN, and now he's with Fox Sports. Uh, so he was just on my podcast. Connect with me, man. I want to connect with you. John, thank you so much. Anytime you need me, you know I'm down. Uh, I, I love doing these things. Charlie, it's great to see you again, my friend. Nice uh, to see you, yeah, That's where you can connect with me. Okay. Well, thanks again, man. I do appreciate you taking the time out of your night to do this and everything. And I hope you have a good rest of your night. Awesome. All right, guys. All right. See you, man. So let's see here. I have to agree with him on the whole entire thing where basically we could probably see maybe Siri doing, doing that kind of thing, basically getting, getting in trouble for cussing and stuff like that. Yeah trying to find us and then also too i do believe that sandra bullock has a lightheartedness to the film i also like how you look in the background and you see a lethal weapon three poster in her office she's she's basically your adrenaline junkie action junkie if you think really? about it who lives and thrives for action and she can't and she's living in a world where there's no action at all <laughs> and so when Simon breaks out, she's excited. She reminds me of us. If we would meet Stallone for the first time, if he was chronologically, um, not chronologically, but if he was actually unfrozen and everything, and we got a chance to meet him, and he was the 90s Stallone that we know, not what he looks like now, we would be, we would actually be on that same level as her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and then the fact that where she learned how to fight was Jackie Chan movies. I mean, kicking the guy repeatedly in the balls. So I mean... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean like that, the cussing sequence, I thought it was kind of, was funny, especially when Stallone had the gun at the Chateau and it's like, be well, no, be fucked. Like I thought that line was hilarious. And then, um, and then there, like, and then, yeah, and then some of the action sequences were cool. Like, I mean, again, this is a, it's an entertaining movie. This is what this is. It's, it's one of those thought provoking science fiction action movies that you don't usually see Stallone in. And that's, that's what I kind of like, I credit him for being able to do something like that. Um, and then like Brandy's point, can right. yeah, can imagine where like that was that sequence was weird, and definitely if you if you have epilepsy, that's a scene you probably want to fast forward because it's gonna there's too much flashy lights and that will yep. impact you easily still this day. And you know what though, I have to I have to agree with her though too. Like I couldn't imagine making love in virtual reality either. And plus, that looks like it's too glitchy to me if they're if it's yeah. like that. Yeah. It's like you can't see any type of moving body parts or anything like that. It's like a quick glance. I'm like, I'm like, nah, forget this. I'll be throwing mm. reality headset. I'll be breaking the law. I'll be just yeah. like Stallone, to be honest with you. It's one of those things that I'm not going to be able to do, <laughs> you know? And, and another thing too, is you can't exchange bodily fluids or anything like that. That's also another key factor too, where if you're breaking the law with that, but yeah, I'll, that's one of the things too that I have to say as well that I can't, that's not something that I'm going to be willing to do. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I like the physical touch of a human person. I don't need to have virtual reality headset and everything <laughs> and stuff like that. No. <laughs> so, 
so another thing though too that I that I would have to say that I thought was funny, you actually have one of the one of the actors from Beetlejuice in this movie though too. The guy who plays Otto is actually the guy who is basically the politician's uh, secretary, pretty much, or his advisor. And I find that hilarious to actually have him being the advisor for a politician because I feel like Otto from Beetlejuice, the character that he played, would actually be something like that, too. Um, but yeah, I just thought that this movie is just a very clever film. It was ahead of its time. It's one of those films that I can watch over and over again if nothing else is on. And if I want, if I'm in the mood to watch Demolition Man, I'll watch Demolition Man. Mm -hmm. Do I need to see Demolition Man? No. But do I want to have something in there for background noise or if something to just enjoy? Absolutely. I'll put on that movie. It's not my favorite Stallone movie, but it's it's there if I ever want that action sci-fi nostalgia factor to it. I mean, if they if they finally release this in 4K, absolutely, I'd buy it. I don't own it. But if this if this was released in 4K, if Cobra was in 4K, if they released a lot of the older Stallone movies, and same with Schwarzenegger, a lot of the older ones, they released those in 4K, I'd buy it because this is a Stallone movie to own. It's a great Stallone movie. It's one of his be it's one of his better ones. He's had a lot of stinkers. This is definitely not a stinker. This is one of like one of his best some of his best stuff. Um and then um but yeah, I mean it's an entertaining movie to watch. Um so if, if and I think it's still on HBO Max, if anybody hasn't seen this movie, um yeah. definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that's where I wound up watching it, is on HBO Max. This is mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those films that is a lot of fun. I know that we kind of went off topic tonight with certain things, but you know, I feel like the conversation was great. I love mm -hmm. the conversation between us and everything and stuff like that. This was a fun episode. Yeah, to actually do. Um, so, is there any other final things that you want to talk about with Demolition Man or anything like that? No, I think we mentioned everything pretty much. I mean, we, I mean, we, all the, all, I think all the topics they branched out because it kind of yeah. worked. Like right. once, it's 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 fitting because there's this one had a good villain. We right. don't see that lately. But right. yeah, I mean, I think all the all our topics were weren't except for maybe right. the uh, the Joker one or the Batman one. But that's hey. really fine. I mean, it works. I mean, I I'm, get to talk about how terrible Rob Patterson's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, guys, that's going to be it for tonight on the show. Okay, so here's the thing: don't forget tomorrow night we're doing our Dexter Morgan after show. The Dark Passenger, a Dark Dexter Morgan after show. We and we're doing these. <laughs> yes. And get this. We're actually doing these after shows all the way up until the new season of Dexter. So we're doing season three. We'll be on the air at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific Time for season three of Dexter. So if you're a huge Dexter fan, check it out. And also, too, we have seasons one, season two inside the playlist for you guys to check out if you haven't seen our Dexter after show. Just go on ahead, go into the playlist on our YouTube channel, and you'll be able to check that out. Another thing, too, is if you guys want to, go on ahead and rate us out on Good Pods. And that's just a little app. If you're into podcasting or if you're a, someone that loves podcasts, rate us on Good Pods. Tell us what you think about Movie Lovers Unite. Also, too, tell us what you don't like. Maybe we can actually work on some things that we need some tweaking on or whatever. That's perfectly fine, too. Tell me also, too, what you guys would like to see from us. 
as far as movie reviewers go and things like that. We would like to actually know what you guys like. Um, then Friday, we're going to probably do a movie news show. So there's a lot of stuff that was actually dropped over the week. So that's going to be at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific Time. Wednesday night, we're doing our 16 Candles review and everything. I'm going to have another podcaster on and everything, and we're going to be doing a 16 Candles review coming up on 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific Time. At the end of the month, I'm having independent actor uh, from NCIS coming on. Um, I actually had him on my show last year, and he's going to be on the show for a one-on-one -on -one interview, maybe do a couple of Q and A's with everybody inside the live chat, maybe do a little bit of movie news. Who knows? It's just going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to be at the same time at eight o'clock central time, nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific time on the 31st. So guys, if you want, if you love what you see here, go ahead and smash that share button, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. Also too, go ahead. We're actually doing a charity event with St. Jude's hospital for kids who have cancer. Tamara and I are actually teaming up with two blurts. Well, She's actually part of Two Blurred Girls podcast, but she's selling some Scentsies. The Scentsies stuff goes over into St. Jude's. So go on ahead, buy yourself some Scentsies, and also donate to St. Jude's Hospital. And that's everything that you need to know about Movie Lovers Unite. Also, too, go on ahead and follow me on Movie Lovers Unite at uh, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook, underneath the same name on Instagram and on Pinterest. Of course, you guys can go on ahead and follow me on Twitter as well on Movie Lovers Unit. And then email me if you're a sponsor and would like to be on the show, or if you have any questions for me, just go on ahead and email me at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And that's going to be it for the show. I want to thank Brandy Mullins, Brandy Shank. I want to thank everybody inside the live chat that was uh, just commenting back and forth, just having a great conversation um nessa thank you for joining us again you were on here last night so were you brandy mullins i just want to say thank you again and always until next time guys it's been real it's been fun can't wait to do this again and bye-bye